So would you like to introduce us or shall I? Sure. Um, good morning to all of y'all who are joining us. This is Are You There God? Are, are You There God? It's Kira and Phil, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure that's what we are? Oh. And we're doing, I, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Don't worry about us. I'm Kira Austin Young. I am the priest in charge of St. Anne's Episcopal Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Nash Vegas. Uh. <laughs> and I'm Philip Tavall. I'm rector of Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, the queen of the Midwest, uh, the city, not me. Um, I have not been given any royal status at this point. Um, but we are here with you. And um, everybody that's joining us, welcome. And we're gonna, we are, are you there, God? It's Kieran Film. We're gonna talk to each other and talk to you about, you know, kind of whatever you wanna talk about, but we do have a couple of ideas of things we wanna talk about today. Yeah, we've got some ideas about, but you know, Phil, I've been thinking a lot about you because, um, <laughs> you know, we are in the portion of the revised common lectionary that is sometimes known as the summer of bread. Ah. And we've got a lot of, of yeah. bread discourse and, yeah. and bread talk in um in the lectionary for the last I few think... weeks and then in, in the weeks to come. So I, yeah, I've been thinking about you and and your ha your habit hobby of of bread baking, and I was kind of wondering what how has that been like a spiritual practice for you like making bread it's not just fun and you don't just get oh no it's bread, definitely right? can you hear me by the way i switched microphones yes okay it's definitely at the risk of being that guy it's definitely a spiritual exercise for me um it's very much a part of um the thing uh it's very much a part of what makes me feel uh i don't know how to describe it let me let me take a step back a year ago i started making bread um, because, and I would love to do, actually, it would be fun to talk about, I've been thinking about writing about how during COVID, um, uh, I started making bread. I gained a bunch of weight and I got a dog and I'm like, those are all the things people joke about people doing, especially like, like guys, especially white guys. Like I'm sort of following the, the white guy COVID trend. Um, <laughs> But I'd love to like talk about each. It's like I want to like be like, oh yeah, no, no, I'm a total stereotype. But then like look at how each one of those came about because right. why are they happening to a lot of people? Right. There's also reasons for right. kind of stereotypes. I mean, like, I wasn't right? like, hey, it's COVID. I'd love to gain 40 pounds. It, it 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 was more like I have lifelong eating issues, and oftentimes they manifest themselves in in stress eating and comfort eating and all that stuff. And this was this has been unquestionably the most excruciating, stressful, and awful time in my adulthood. Mm -hmm. So shocking. And, and I couldn't go to the gym because it was, you know, a super spreader event. So, um, so I, and I'm not an outside guy. Like, I mean, outside's fine. I was just there. I, it's still working ever outside. <laughs> right before I was here, I was outside and uh, it, it, the air was working and you could breathe and mm -hmm. it's great. It's lovely. Well, you, weren't, you weren't doing like CrossFit in your driveway. Like, yeah, yeah. and I have friends that like, they, they were like, oh man, I really got into CrossFit or I really like used this time. And I'm just like, I mean, God bless. That was not me. Um, <laughs> we all, we all deal with our stress in different ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I actually had, had the gym not been off limits. 
like I was a four or five times a day, sometimes, or four or five times a week, or sometimes six times a week. And I go and I want to get on a machine. People hate machines. Oh, it's so boring. I want to look at nature. No, I get on a machine. I put headphones in my ears and I read a book while I'm working out. I sweat like crazy for 45 minutes to an hour. And I get to read and be in my own little world. And I trick my body into working out. It didn't even know it was happening. Oh, what did you make me do? If I strap on some, some hiking shoes and like go outdoors, my body's already like, oh, I know what this is. Don't try pulling this on me. There's not even, there's not even one cheeseburger out here. I, I don't buy it. So I have to trick my body. So that was tough. And, and then the dog thing, I mean, I, we, our dog, my dog died and we got a new dog because we, we aren't, we don't know how to function without a dog in our house. But, but the bread thing I've been thinking about for a while. So I've had a really messed up relationship with carbohydrates. Yeah. Same. So I've, I've been, I've been dealing with weight stuff and dieting issues and being dieting being a part of my life uh, pretty much since I was a child, mm -hmm. not, not a teenager, a child. child. And when I was in college was the first time I discovered quote unquote Atkins. Mm -hmm. And I was at the dining hall eating double bacon cheeseburgers with no bun and losing weight. Mm -hmm. And it was great because when it's not about health, it's about weight. And all you think about is weight. Man, it was great. But then when, with the success of that, anytime after that, if I was eating bread, I was off a diet and out of control. And if I was not eating bread, then it was, I was on a diet and in control. So mm -hmm. bread and all of the carbohydrate family, as it were, like got a really bad rap in yeah. my life. Is this something you relate to? Yeah, I actually, um, I preached a little bit about this on Oh yeah in a very um, a, a vulnerable for me way. I didn't entirely feel comfortable talking about it, but I did it anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, for, I don't wanna, I don't wanna trigger anybody's eating issues out there, but sure. I certainly, um, yeah, have, have dealt with kind of whatever, whatever free, you know, it, it goes through the culture, right? We had Atkins, now we have keto, there was yeah. paleo, any kind of like low carb, um, diet eating plan, yeah. uh, are often <laughs> quite effective at helping people to lose weight and yeah. are less effective at, um, being a reasonable eating plan for that you can sustain for right. your entire right. life. Right. Um, because you know what people like bread and rice and pasta and potatoes, all of those foods are like staples of almost every culture around the world. Right. right? right. Like there, there's hardly maybe like um, some of the native Inuit people, you know, mostly eat kind of a, a naturally lower carb diet, but right. those are all foods that are kind of backbones of cultures around the world. Right. And so to kind of say like, oh, I'm no longer gonna eat these foods, um, you know, similar to you, like it was like, okay, I can do this. I don't eat, you know, I don't eat bread. I don't eat rice. I don't eat um, right. pasta, pizza, thing, yeah. Sandwiches without the buns or the bread, like all the time, all that stuff. And, um, you know, and then I, I like started to kind of really, yeah. Like I internalized that, right. Yep. That like bread was bad. Bread's bad. But at the same time, like I'm a priest and what do I do every Sunday? but I break, I bless and I break and I offer bread yep. 
to the people. And in my head, I was thinking like, there's like a major disconnect here, right? Like I'm having like a real spiritual, <laughs> spiritual issue. And, and the eating plan that I was kind of on either on or kind of base, basing my eating off of, right. I remember seeing like a forum and somebody said like, well, what about uh, communion? Like, can I eat communion on this plan? Because it has two things that are not allowed on this plan. One being wine and the second being bread. And they were kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, ritual consumption of elements is, is fine, but like, just don't, you like, don't do it a lot, basically. (laughs) Right. Don't overdo that communion. Like that should have been like a major red flag for me. I feel. I went the other direction with you where I started resenting Jesus for saying, I am the bread of life. Yeah. I was resentful of our Lord and savior. Yeah because he was getting in the way of me losing weight. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I was like, that does was... this really have to be in there? Like, <laughs> right. Of all the things in the world, you had to choose bread and wine. Like, <laughs> Right. Could have been I am the meat of life. Like meat is important. Like <laughs> we could get rid of all the vegan conversation. Cause it's like, Jesus said it. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you. It, 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 it was tough. I started, um, and I'm still, I mean, like, I, my relationship with food is going to be complicated for the rest of my life. That's something that I'm recognizing. And that like, if I don't, um, it's not just that if I don't like pay attention, I'll gain a little bit of weight. It's that if I don't pay attention, I start to just get out of control and I don't feel good physically. Like I, it's not just how I feel about how I look. It's like literally like indigestion every night when I go to bed, like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing you're supposed to feel. That's not okay. Right. So um, so I have figured out that I do need to be similarly to be like being on a budget, mm-hmm. right? I can't just spend whatever I want. I have to figure out how to, uh, I've got to figure out how to, uh, budget my food in a way that keeps me from, that keeps me kind of sane, right? Like, cause it's an unhealthy addictive relationship and I have to think carefully about how I do it. But a couple of years back, I was, do- I was, I was doing this, um, uh, one diet I won't name and, and, um, they go through this whole thing where they're just like, you've been told bread is bad. It's just not bad. Like, it's just not bad. And, and like, you've got to like bread in your diet is okay. You've got to like, we're counting calories. So count them like to acknowledge they exist, but like, don't demonize bread, you know? Um, and so anyways, so um, I started incorporating like sandwiches back into my life. That's it. Just sandwiches. And then I was just like, Oh my gosh, I love bread so much. Sandwiches are so good. Sandwiches are amazing. I was like, By the way, this is the re- this is our re- this is your priest's revelation today, friends. Sandwiches are amazing. Well, like I was I was really grieving a lot of the foods that I wasn't allowed to have. I wouldn't allow myself to have. Yep. Um, you know, a, a good tomato sandwich, like in the with fresh ripe tomatoes You'd be like and, nope can't do it yeah them, like them, car- was, them carbs I know. <laughs> um it was a real it was a real loss and like a real grief and yep. until i was like i can have these things like it's fine yep yep so i started watching um this show during that so i started cooking during the pandemic um comfort food a lot of stuff um baking cookies and 
making good cookies, like really doing good stuff that I was happy with. And started like, I started working, like this sounds so silly, but like another carb that I wasn't eating, I started to eat was rice. Mm-hmm. Turns out rice is delicious. Rice is also very good. <laughs> it's fantastic. And as you pointed out, a staple in many, many, many cultures. And we're like, oh, can't have rice. It's bad for you. That's starch. So um, I just want to say, by the way, I'm really glad that your dog is protecting you from all of the evil dangers. I'm sorry. Nash- I, no, I have to tease you. I'm, I'm, you're, you're learning, but I'm only saying this actually, this was actually just a way for me to backdoor myself into saying, hey, y'all, Kira has a dog now. I was, I wanted to talk about my dog maybe today too. <laughs> this is I also be- got a dog, like, kind of, I mean, during the pandemic and that it was two months ago, so. Sure, yeah, it turns out during the pandemic doesn't just mean 2020. Yeah. <laughs> it means 2020 to 2025. Anything in this period of time, I know, I know. It won't, it won't, it might, it won't. It might. Okay, so anyways, um, so bread. So I'm making rice. I started making rice cakes. Like I make the rice and then take the leftover rice and like mix it with some egg and stuff and then stick it in the pan. And you can make little rice cakes that you could put like use like and cheese if you want. Like, yeah, again. Okay. So anyways, huge of true that you can actually eat things. <laughs> so I was enjoying these things and there's this show and, and, and then this taps into another COVID uh, reality. Television that doesn't trigger you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Television that doesn't have traumatic moments. Television that doesn't make you look out your window and wonder about your neighbors. Television that doesn't make you think about the worst elements of humanity. I assume you picked a couple of shows that did this for you during the pandemic. Yeah. What yeah. were yours? Um, <laughs> well, we watched a lot of what uh, what we do in the shadows, which is yes. a, a humorous uh, vampire show. Yes, yes. Yeah, Taika Waititi on FX. I mean, I, I've only seen the movie. I haven't seen the show, but I hear it's brilliant. Yeah, both the, both the movie and the show are just lovely. I mean, it's filmed in that kind of documentary office style. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, yeah. just kind of silly. It's silly. It's light, even though it's about vampires. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely one of one Oh of yeah. Them. Oh yeah. Um, I know a lot of people did the Great British Break baking baking show. I couldn't get into it. Like, I tried. Oh, I, I, I I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Um but I mean we did Tiger King. Yeah, and oh I, yeah. And that just made us feel like horrible people. Mm-hmm. Like you just I did feel a like lot of like dating reality shows, like ro- dating yeah, I, reality. I couldn't like, do those. I couldn't do those first sight and stuff because I just needed that like very fluffy right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and so obviously like later, like, like uh, l- later pandemic, like in the Renaissance era of the pandemic, Ted, La- Ted Lasso emerged. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I hadn't just, for me anyway, probably came out earlier, but I just, I found it then for me, but, but the thing, um, I think we're in the Rococo period of this pandemic, by the way. Um, but, uh, but the show that isn't a pandemic show, it's been around for a while, but it's a show called The Chef Show on Netflix. Oh. It's John Favreau. Yes. Who is, uh, we need to talk about him someday. He's low-key one of the true heroes of our generation. Um, Did you see the movie, Chef? Like his movie? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So, kind of on that. Or- yeah, so so essentially when he was making this movie called Chef, which is also on Netflix, about a, a restaurateur who ends up running a, starting a food truck, he connected with this famous LA food truck restaurateur named... Um, Oh, um, Ch- Choi, Roy Choi, Roy Choi. 
Um, Roy Choi is um, a, uh, a Korean American chef in LA, runs a food truck. So anyhow, he's connecting with him. They become buddies while Roy is teaching him how to do this stuff. And we already know John Favreau is a foodie. He had a show on in IFC back in the day where he would just have people over for a meal and they'd sit around and talk. This guy's a, a foodie. He loves, he loves to eat. He loves to cook. He loves all that. He loves to uh, entertain, hospi hospitality, all that. So he and Roy Choi get back together and create this Netflix show where they just, they just cook stuff together or go around and meet with chefs and watch them cook and learn how to do stuff. It, there's never a tense moment on the entire show. They're always happy. They yeah. love each other. Like there's no, like, it's not an odd couple at yeah. all. Like they just enjoy each other. There's no tension between them. Like John Favreau is incredibly respectful to Roy Choi. And so like, he like, like when they're in the kitchen, they're talking and, and like Choi will tell him to do something and he'll be like, yes, chef. And like, do what he says. And then later they'll taste each other's food and talk. And I'm, I'm telling you, Kira, there are moments of the show where like they'll be, have cooked something and then they'll just sit there and they're like, eat a little bit of it. And just kind of look at each other. And then Roy Choi will just be like, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. And I was just like, it got me like paying attention to cooking again. Mm -hmm. And then one of the episodes, he introduces Sam Raimi, the guy who directed the, the first Spider-Man movies that were like Tobey Maguire and yeah. he, did evil, he did Evil Dead and Dark Man and uh, Drag Me to Hell and um, just Army of Darkness. And all, I mean, the guy's, you know, kind of a cult hero. Uh, anyways, he introduced him to sourdough, making sourdough bread. Oh. And I was watching and I was like, I love sourdough bread. Like I love, like, like whenever I'm out, if, if I can get a patty melt on sourdough instead of rye, I'm like a very happy, happy guy. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I'm like, and there's something about it where it's like, it takes too long and it's like kind of annoying and kind of like difficult, but I take too long and I'm kind of annoying, kind of difficult. Um, so I kind of appreciate that. So I, I, I didn't want to start baking like wheat bread or like loaves of bread. I didn't want to buy a bread making thing. I wanted to like have some bubbly weird thing in my house that I had to like take care of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was super nervous about it. And whenever it's something sounds difficult, but I'm interested in it, the difficulty becomes more interesting to me. So a friend of mine oh, and a parishioner who's on our vestry, he has um, some starter. Mm -hmm. And I asked him if I could have some and he was like, have you ever done this before? And I was like, <laughs> done what? He's like, sourdough. I was like, no. He's like, okay, you bake bread though. And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, kind of jumping in on the deep end here, huh? Right. I was like, I guess, <laughs> let's go. And so he gave, brought me some sourdough, gave me a, 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 a recipe. And it just like immediately, I was in love with it. Hmm. Not like immediately, like, not trying to be in love with it, not like it was a very, very like deep, like hit me in a place from day one. Mm. I got very obsessed. I was baking bread every day. My wife was, it was not great for our marriage. Um, <laughs> at least not at first. Now I'm sure it's very good for our marriage, but it wasn't at first. Um, um, but it just became this space that was like mine and mm. me and this bread. And it wasn't about other people, although you end up making it because you make all this bread and what are you going to do with it? You can't eat all of it. Right. So you start giving it away. 
So now I'm making bread and I'm giving bread away to parishioners. And I can't hang out with my parishioners because of COVID. So I'm dropping bread off at people's houses and looking at faces through the window or from the you know, driveway that I haven't seen face to face in months. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? You already said it. What do we do on Sundays? We feed people bread. Hmm. And now I'm, and now, and I, and by the way, hadn't been doing communion right. since March of yeah. 2020. And now it's August, September, October of 2020. Mm. And now I'm delivering bread to people's houses. Now I didn't develop it in some sort of feel. I wasn't like, I wasn't going through the theology of this while I did right, it. Right. Right. Well, but I, and I think that's part of the beauty of, um, uh, both of the simplicity of the Eucharist and of kind of what, you know, Jesus identification with himself as the bread of life is. I mean, it's certainly, we read it through a Eucharistic lens, but right. this whole discourse that Jesus says, you know, I am the bread of life. And if you, you know, believe in me, you'll never be hungry again. This comes after he literally feeds people with the, yeah. you know, yep. with mul- the multiplication of loaves and fishes. So it's not, um, there there's resonances there even if you didn't like you weren't like i'm gonna bake bread and deliver it to people and it'll be just like the eucharist right right (laughs) right right it 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 was i it's hard to describe i never i mean people would send me notes and say thank you or something like that and i always appreciated it but you were talking about preaching this sunday and how it felt a little vulnerable to you Mm -hmm. i'd like to talk with you more about that later (laughs) Um, uh, but, but in some ways, this bread baking and even the act of giving it to people felt very vulnerable to me. Mm. I'm not a professional. I'd only been doing it for a month when I started giving it away. You know, they might not have liked it. Like I'm now at a place where I've made so many loaves of bread in one year. I mean, it's only been one year and it's now so much a part of my life. I think about it all the time. Um, I, 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 and then people, you know, like now I can tell you, now I can tell you, by the way, unabashedly, I make good bread. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. But, but like, that's not the point. Like, I'm not selling it. Like, right. I'm, I'm eating it. I'm giving it away. And I, I eat a lot of bread, friend. I, I had, I had two pieces this morning. Yeah. Um, oh, but so the, so the chef show happens. And then, my favorite stand-up act of the last five years, which I've made you made you watch with, yes, you know, uh, Tom Popper. I doing quoted great. in my sermon this Sunday, <laughs> and he does this whole bit about. I mean, first of all, friends, I, there's a couple. I've watched it now probably thirty times. This one stand-up routine. I'm not kidding. I've got it kind of memorized. I, in as I watch it now, um, I, I will say uh, it's 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 really heteronormative. Um, it's very, uh, kind of, he's very kind of like old school, like white liberal dude, like kind of says some things that are like, you're like, all right. That being said, like none of, we're none of us perfect. He's clearly a very good hearted human being who's telling phenomenal jokes. And the, the crux of it is actually body acceptance and life acceptance. Like the push to actually accept yourself as you are told through stand-up comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly struggled with weight his throughout his life because he keeps talking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then he does that whole bit about like, look, we're going to gain weight. It's part of the deal. Right. He says, look at our lives. Like we made it to the top of the food chain. Nothing's trying to kill us. This was prior to the pandemic. Now something is definitely trying to kill us. But, you know, um, 
and he does the whole like like you know every, every day you go outside you know we have everything's t- temperature controlled he said every day is a perfect temperature of 72 and snacky you know <laughs> but then he's like and then that whole bit that you know he goes i have friends that don't eat bread anymore they don't eat bread they don't eat don't bread eat bread and i remember when he said that i was just like i first of all i was laughing but then also i was like holy smokes like I sit in this level, I just deprive myself of something. For what? For what? And he, 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 he goes, you're going to lose three and a half pounds. No one's going to notice. And you don't eat bread. Yeah. Right. He talks about his wife, like came in and said, like, um, you know, I'm not, I'm never eating sugar again. Right. Um, <laughs> because I, she's like, because she like ate sugar during all throughout the holidays, all the holidays. or whatever, like, yeah. a, like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm never going to eat sugar again. He goes, yes, you are. And you're going to eat more than you've ever eaten before, which all, all, all the science around diets points to, if you do this to yourself in a radical way, you will just go back and do it more later and more than you've ever done it before. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, he does that whole bit and he's just like, I can't imagine like, you're not just going to have a piece of toast with some butter on it. Yeah. Like not because you have celiac, just because you've just, you're not going to die. You just have decided that that's bad. Right. So anyways, there's definitely like a spiritual aspect to this for me. There's definitely um, a religious aspect, aspect, not in the traditional sense of like connected to Christianity, but to, traditional for me, but religious in the like the truest sense of the word of like, I have a ritual, I have a, I bind myself to this thing and, and I feed this starter and I do this thing and it's a part of the way that I operate in the world now. And I give it away to people and it's a part of me. Like, um, and now I'm sounding a little bit too uh, weird and vulnerable, but it's meaningful. Yeah. Um, and it's just completely changed. Like the weirdest thing about it, Kira, is I can tell you that it's changed my life completely, but I can't tell you how. Right. Hmm. Like, like people be like, oh, this changed my life. How did it change your life? Oh, well, it gave me this perspective. And if you were like, I'm like, it changed my life. And you're like, how? I'll be like, I used to not make bread. And now yeah. I do. Like, <laughs> and now I make bread. Right. Um, but I'm I a bread maker many- now. I think there's something, and I feel this because I I also enjoy cooking. And part of it is that like our the work that we do is so long term, and it can be so subtle, and we barely we rarely get like oh good a thing that we can hold up and say I did this thing, I made this progress. Yep. yep. And and when I make. <laughs> I remember, I think it was May of May, 2020. And I did, um, so one of my favorite kind of TV chef shows is Samin Nosrat's Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah. Beautiful. And she did a whole thing with the New York Times of like, we're all going to make a big lasagna this weekend. And so I made for the, maybe my first time ever, like a big, I didn't do the the noodles myself because I was trying to minimize some of that, <laughs> but I did the tomato sauce, you know, from scratch. And, yeah. um, and so, and it took a lot of time to make this lasagna, yeah. uh, to lay, to make all the individual components and then to layer it and then to bake it. And, um, and it was delicious. And at the end I had a huge lasagna that <laughs> could know? feed all of these people that you love. <laughs> And yeah, kind of like you, I mean, we have some friends who live close by to us and, you know, we said, we've got all this lasagna. Do you want some? And so took some over to them. And, um, you know, there is something that's very, that I need in my life of kind of, because our work is so intangible, 
that I need something tangible yeah. to, to like hold and say yeah. like, I did this thing, you know? And I yeah. think for some people it's knitting or for some people it's um, whatever else you might do. Yeah, but, yeah. making um, something. Yeah, that kind or yeah, making a coffee table or, you know, woodworking. Um, but to kind of be able to, to hold something and say like, I put in X amount of hours and at the end I have this thing. Whereas yep. our, our work and a lot of people's work really is like, I put in X amount of hours and what did I do? Like I wrote some emails. I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I held someone's hand while they're dying. Like there right. is, you know, which, which is all, all awesome stuff. Yeah. The emails um, were very important. Yes. Holding someone's hand while they're dying is, I mean, an amazing <laughs> honor, yeah. but like, what do you have to show for it? Right. Nice. So, so having the gratification of having a physical thing that you can give to people, that you can give to people and, or that you can consume yourself, that you can appreciate and enjoy is a gift. And, and my involvement with that, it should, like, I need to go back and look at this bread of life language and like, look at the bread. What is Jesus saying about himself? What is he saying about himself in terms of nourishment? Because it's not just a simple statement of uh, uh, Jesus is the one who, uh, gives you some sort of the right amount of spiritual calories right. uh, so that you, you know, are fed appropriately. There's like, as you just said, like the time, the commitment, the care, and the community that is built into this takes it to all of those places, you know? Um, our friend Chris is on. Um, he He's on twice. Um he is our, he's the communications minister of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he asks a question, favorite bread and why? So I need to, Chris, I need clarification. Do you mean favorite bread that I make or favorite bread that I've ever had or favorite bread, like to get, and like, like, what do you, I need you to go deeper? Like, talk to me about what you mean by favorite bread. Cause I have lots of feelings about bread now. Yeah. Um, um Yeah. Let's see if he says anything while we talk about that. So, um, you what know, was your, wanna, so, so what did you, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say, you know, one of the funny things about um, just kind of food and hunger and nourishment is that like, what you, this, there's a saying that hunger is the best sauce, right? You know, yeah. and, and there, um, I've, I've, I've had a lot of fancy meals in my life and, and travel, yeah. you know, in Europe and had amazing food. And I will still tell you that the best thing I have ever eaten was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich after I ran a marathon in Huntsville, Alabama. And it was on this like fresh bakery, like thick wheat bread that was just the right texture, yeah, yeah. Like good peanut butter, good jelly. And that sandwich was just like manna from heaven. Uh, <laughs> a good peanut butter and jelly on wheat bread is for me like, uh, I had one the other day for lunch in the pool. I was at the local pool uh, and I sat on the side. You're not supposed to eat in the pool, but I had like a big old Diet Coke and I had this like, oh, and I like it. Like it was made a couple hours ago and then it was stuck in the fridge. And then it's mm -hmm. like, but yeah, eating something like that right after you run or while after you do some kind of work is crazy um, and wonderful. Um, my favorite bread that I make is uh, it's, it was, it's what would be called a, a rustic loaf or a country loaf, or some people would just say sourdough. It is, so I have a sourdough starter, which I mean, sourdough is, is actually a slang term, right? It's really an active live 
yeast that I'm keeping alive. Um, pool PB and J, it's almost like you're a dad, Chris says. Yeah, no, um, I've, uh, dude, I was wearing a swim shirt and a hat <laughs> to cover my bald head and drinking a soda. And if I'd had a beer, it could have been one more level of dad, but like I was drinking a Diet Coke dad. and a PB and J and telling my kids don't go near there. I mean, it was so, I was peak dad, you know? Um, like my kid was like, I'm tired. And I'm like, hi, tired, I'm dad. It was that level of dad, right? But but this kind of basic sourdough is my favorite thing. Um, I have made breads with, I have active dry yeast that you buy at the store and you like, it's the little pellets and you dump them in. Mm -hmm. I've made some bread with that. I can make some pretty good bread with that. Um, I don't enjoy making it as much for some reason. Um, and I don't always enjoy the taste as much, although I can make some bread that I have enjoyed. But that basic like sourdough, and I use a couple different kinds of flour, uh, rustic, rustic or, or country loaf is my favorite thing. I make a ciabatta, I make a focaccia, I, made, I make pizza dough. The pizza is actually quite good. I'm pleased with that. There's a Mexican, um, essentially baguette called birote that you make, uh, you put beer and lime in the dough while you're, while you're uh, making it and Ooh. it makes it, and then you really cook the heck out of it. So it like the outside is really crunchy and the inside is just like soft. And then it's made for these, for wet sandwiches. So you douse them in, um, in this, in, in sauce and they don't break down. Mm. Uh, those are delicious. Um, I've made some olive oil and sea salt loaf and um, there's a, a few different things. I haven't never made like a normal traditional French baguette yet. Um, I got to work on that. Um, but apparently my focaccia, my rosemary focaccia, my favorite thing to give people is a big bowl, like a big loaf, like mm -hmm. round loaf of sourdough bread. I love the way they look. I love the way they taste. I love handing them to people. But apparently the focaccia that I make, which is followed from a recipe in a book by a guy named Brian Ford, it is a focaccia with a sourdough or live yeast uh, starter, leaven. Um, apparently that's the best thing I make. Like everybody's just like, keep doing that. Never stop. Don't ever stop. Keep bringing me that. Um, it, it's great day of the texture is not as good. The next day still tastes good, but the texture is good, but my sourdough loaf, it tastes good for like five days. Yeah. And then you can like, uh, slice it and put it in the freezer and pull a piece out and stick it in a toaster. And it's like, it was been, oh, that's my jam. I love it. But I can send you some in San Diego, Chris, it'll cost a little bit to overnight it. But, um, if you ask nicely, I have a friend in LA actually that has, I, he's like, he sent me, literally sent me instructions on how to overnight bread across the country. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm like, all right, Mr. Subtle, like, we'll see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, do you, so do you talk to me a little bit about like, do you make any bread or do you bake? In any um, I have, so again, as part of my kind of healing from my, I, you know, I hesitate to call it kind of an eating disorder because people have an idea of what that looks like, but, um, my disordered eating is maybe more accurate. Uh, I definitely have sure. started, um, I did get, so one of the reasons right during the pandemic that people started making so much sourdough bread was because yeast was really hard to find. So right. people had to kind of use like natural life. But I remember I was at Costco and kind of early on in the pandemic and we didn't really know what was going to happen. There was a big packet of active dry yeast and I was like, I'm getting it. Like I don't actually bake any yeasted breads right now, but like, what if I need to start, like, we're going to need to have yeast. 
So um, yeah. I, I purchased that. And then I had all this yeast and I did start at the beginning of this year doing a lot of, of pizza and pizza doughs and this yeah. like recipe from King Arthur flour that yep. is like a deep dish. Like you cook it in a cast iron skillet and it is like, it's like a, you use a fold to kind of, you don't actually need it. And um, then you kind of, it's a slow rise, slow, cold rise. And, yep. and it's just a delicious, like delicious, makes a delicious pizza. Not like a thin night New York style pizza no. and not like a, like a Chicago casserole either um, pizza, but just like a really, like a really good, like Italian yeah pizza and yeah. then I do um I want to try that I do, I do some um uh cinnamon rolls from time to time uh and the other thing that kind of got me doing this was that my husband sort of a little bit before the pandemic but also during the pandemic got into uh woodworking and yeah. lathing and so he had made me um, a beautiful uh, French rolling pin. So our French rolling pin is kind of, the, it's just one piece of wood. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't um, have the rollers. It's just a beautiful, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to use this rolling pin and uh, started, started, doing a, started doing a little bit more um, baking. Now that, now that things have kind of picked up again, I haven't done <laughs> That's so that's an area um, need kneading bread, rolling, any of those things I'm not good at. Yeah. And one of the reasons I like the, the breads that I make, almost all of them are no need. Mm. Um, almost all of them require like it's they're really focused on like some very prim primitive or primal, whatever you want to call it, like very basic shaping techniques and allowing the oven to kind of do what it needs to do. Um, I'm really like when I try, I tried to make a quiche the other day. It tasted good. It did actually taste good. And I made the crust and it worked out. It wasn't pretty. Like, you know, the like little pretty, like it looks like all like ruffly. Yeah. Mine did not look like that. <laughs> um, so I would, oh, by the way, while we were talking about this, this on the most interesting episode of this show that we've ever done and not at all self-indulgent. Um <laughs> The uh, we're by the way, we're so self indulgent. Leslie doesn't even have a question for us. She's like, I got nothing for you guys. This is she's like, I can't even nothing. I'm just gonna what are, what just you have you on in the background and work on something because this is ridiculous. Um, but uh, uh, like the um, I was just thinking while you were talking that we we need what we need to do, like, we need to get some families that we love together, or maybe just your family and mine, and we need to see um. And we need to do a vacation where we like stay in a house somewhere with like a really nice kitchen and like, let's just plan meals. And like, let's plan our, let's like, let's unabashedly plan our day around meals and not feel guilty about it. And just be like this day we make lasagna, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And like, yeah, oh there's gosh. something really lovely about and I've always loved this feed, feeding other people and feeding, yes. uh, gathering people around a table and being nourished both by food and by yep. um, the conversation and yep. the camaraderie. And yep. I, I think um, so two years ago, was, we just moved into uh, our house and that November for Thanksgiving, we Has hosted- it been two years? Our, yeah. <laughs> Have you been with Michael for more than two years? Yeah. <laughs> man 
Um, we weren't married though, so no. But I won't tell. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to tell anyone. Go ahead. Um, but we hosted our first Thanksgiving together, and my parents came, and we had friends come, and my best friend and her husband were in town, and we had maybe like ten people around this huge table I bought off a of Facebook Marketplace. And, and it was so fun. And then, you know, a few short months later, we were kind of in lockdown and I just kept holding on to that memory of like, I don't really remember what we ate. You know, I think there was Turkey. I think there, you know, my best friend's husband, John made a really good stuffing. My mom brought the, her normal cranberry stuff. Like it was great. It was just so good to be together and to have a a noisy house full of conversation and a bunch of people yeah. brought their dogs and like it was just um it was it was just so great yeah. and i miss i miss that even i mean even though we're able oh, to yeah. a little bit more kinds of things like that these days um for the time being maybe <laughs> yeah um that that feeling is something I really, I, in the best of circumstances is what kind of communion should, should be both in and out of the church. That's a big thing for me is how, what do we mean when we talk about communion? Like, what do we mean? Like what, what, and you just described communion in a real world setting and you just described communion in a real world setting. And I, like, I think for people like you and I, it's our temptation and our vocation among our colleagues to treat the, the Eucharist, treat communion like, like this is the apex of our religiosity right here. This is the climax of our, and like it, the pinnacle is communion. And there's something about like the sacraments that can feel very inward focused but the sacraments are at their best when they help us look outward and recognize how sacramental the whole world is. So communion is beautiful when it nourishes you on Sunday. It's also even more beautiful when after nourishing you on Sunday, it nourishes you in a way that you're able to recognize other meals as communion. And I don't, and I want to be careful here because I actually, I don't, you know, some people will say like, oh, I don't, you know, you don't, some, you don't need to be, you don't need to go to church to be church or, or like, you know, church isn't about Sunday. Um, no, I, I think you need to gather with your people and worship and Sunday matters tremendously. And what we do actually is deeply formative to your, to your heart and soul and mind and body. And also if Sunday is the only time you're experiencing communion and the communion you experience on Sunday, isn't seeping out overflowing super overabounding, as Paul says, in, in spilling over into the rest of your world in abundance and helping you recognize communion with others on other times, then it's, it's, um, then you are not paying attention to the meal that you're being served on Sundays. Yeah, it's certainly a, it's a starting point, right? Like we are fed and then we go out, you know, to feed others and sometimes even ourselves, if we have been depriving ourselves of Right. of nourishment yeah um as many of us kind of do throughout our our lives because of ideas around what our bodies should and should not look like um and we try to and so what we try to do kira is we try to like it's something that we talk about in this in our group and our little our little show a lot 
is you and I, I think, work hard in our conversations anyway to break down the barriers that people think exist between supposedly secular and spiritual. The Christian should not believe in anything actually being secular because it suggests there's anywhere where God isn't. Um, but we want to use what we, what we want, what we believe, people like you and I believe, is that our experience, our ritualized and formalized corporate experience is important and also the, it has, it's supposed to be informed by our life outside and also it is supposed to inform our life outside. So that's, that's to say like the lines should be a little bit blurry. And so Absolutely. when Chris asks the questions, what's the difference between Eucharist and communion? Right, he said. There's a difference between Eucharist and communion, in my opinion. Well, growing up in the in the Lutheran Church, we would have just called it communion. I the first time I ever heard Eucharist, I did. So I was I was going to this church uh, that Chris knows in California when I first became an Episcopalian, and I was like, "Oh, good, this is one of those Sundays where they have communion." And then I went the next Sunday, and I was like, "Wow, two weeks in a row, communion!" <laughs> and then the third week, I was like. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You guys three weeks in a row. And someone was like, Sunday? and someone was like, I'm like, do they do communion every Sunday? And they were like, yeah, it's called the Holy Eucharist. That's the service. We literally had a service called the Holy Eucharist. And I was like, great. What's Eucharist? And they're like, it's communion. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you named the service after it. This is awesome. I was so excited. So, so, um, you know, I think Eucharist mass, uh, I would never call it that because I'm not one of those people. I'm a prodi. Uh, but Eucharist, Mass, uh, Lord's uh, Last Supper, Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, I'm not a big supper person. I try not to. I, I'm a I'm a dinner guy. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I think all I mean, of these words, communion. Right. First of all, I mean Eucharist. Of course, for those of you who didn't, you know, take Greek or whatever, um, that is a word that basically comes out of the Greek word for Thanksgiving. So. The great we Thanksgiving call, is what we call. Yeah, yeah, we often call the elements the Eucharist, the bread and the wine, we call it the Eucharist, but it's really the whole service that's the Eucharist. I mean, in the Book of Common Prayer, you look it up and it says like, this is the service for the Holy Eucharist. Um, I find, you you know, communion, I think is a little more ecumenically understood, which is why yep. I kind of use that word yep. um, when I'm talking to, to a mixed audience, maybe, yep. or somebody who um, might, have different theology around what happens in yep. in that moment um you know certainly a lot of our our more low church protestant brethren and sistren yep um, <laughs> ooh sistren <laughs> well you know i mean especially in other denominations don't it, they view it more as a remembrance yeah. meal as something that you know there's not anything um, that happens in the bread and the wine, that it's just something that we do because Jesus kind of told us to do it. Um, yeah, we won't, I have lots of feelings about that, but <laughs> yes, correct. So we have these different names. Um, I, I think the larger issue for me to respond to Chris as best I can is we just, and actually goes into what Leslie was asking because Leslie was asking about some of the rules that are around communion. When she and I were together last Sunday, we were talking about some of those things. And, you know, um, this is where things are get really interesting to me. Well, the whole thing's interesting. I'm interested in everything we've talked about so far, but there's the, that the lines are blurred between ritual and um, spontaneity of like just daily life between this, between what we would call sort of set apart and that which is everyday mundane. 
um, um, that we have very specific codified rituals for the purpose, I think, of, of uniformity and some, not, not by the way, um, uh, you, or no, I should say unity and, mm -hmm. and some level of uniformity, like, like um, common ground that we all stand on by, by sharing a specific understanding of a way to do a thing. It's culture. This is how culture is created. Doing the same thing over and over again and then agreeing with another group of people that we're going to keep doing it this way, that is culture. That's what culture is, right? <laughs> so so rituals are, are one of the great sort of creators of culture. And culture is is every every group, every tribe, every people, like culture is an, as a central aspect of the what is helps define what that culture is. So if our defining feature is our being given a gift by God that nourishes us and feeds us and gives us equipment to head out into the world. And that thing that we're nourished by is, is God, God's self, mm -hmm. um, and empowering us to, uh, to live into, uh, our, our incarnation as the body of Christ, as a people in the world, it is, it, it this defining thing should bleed out into all that we do. And so then we can informally talk about communion and then formally talk about communion and use the same word to mean both and just be messy, difficult to understand people because we're Episcopalians and we always are. Yeah, well, I, I think I, we can also, we can talk about Eucharistic living as yes. a, a, a touchstone for yes. our, our living. It's not just the thing that happens when we gather around the altar, but it's a whole posture of thanksgiving right. and of recognizing yes. the holiness around us. And I think part of me to kind of, I'm not kind of going to wrap up our conversation, but sure. kind of put a little return to some themes. Um, part of what I preached about this Sunday was about, you know, God gives us these, these things to, to nourish our bodies. And um, there's a, what one of my parishioners who comes from the church of the Nazarene called the spirit of the age, you know, that tells ah. us to deny ourselves to, yeah. um, to restrict, to, uh, shrink our bodies to not live into kind of the fullness when when God has spread this table for us of of bread right. and right. of tastiness and beauty and um you know God has has given us this wonderful all, all of the wonderful things that God gives us and um you know that that to recognize those things and to live in thanksgiving of them and appreciation of them, I yeah. think is is kind of what we start to touch on by talking about like Eucharistic, Eucharistic living, that we're all kind of blessed and broken open and given yeah. um right. offered up yeah. uh, to the world. So and I and I there tends to be an either or attitude in a lot of our lives where people say either you only find that in church or it's not in church, it's out in the world. And I think that attitude is unfortunate because I think the reality is these things feed each other. Mm -hmm. For the Christian, our corporate worship and gathered experience feeds the rest of our lives. And the rest of our lives are the things that we come back and offer to the group and to God on a Sunday, like, like Abel offers his sacrifice, like you know, like the people gather together and they, they offer up, this is what we've got. You give your, your whole self. And so these things, um, you know, and I love that idea of Eucharistic living. There's a, there's a, um, there's a really good book called Guide to the Sacraments by John or Ian McCullough. 
um, Welsh writer, um, and he refers to Jesus as the primordial sacrament mm. because Jesus is an outward and visible sign of an inward and, and um, you know, practical or real grace, the grace of God embodied in the real world. And that's what we're talking about. If you can, if the sacramental living, if the Eucharistic living helps you live with thanksgiving in the recognition of God's active presence in the world and in your life, setting you apart for blessing and being blessed and, and recognizing the blessing in the world, this I think is what we're getting at. And, and then when you see that place to wrap it back, to bring it back to where we were, when you find blessing in something that you had been told was bad, in my case, look, I am cisgender, heterosexual, white Christian male, okay? Very few people in the history of the world who've had any power have told me anything about me as wrong. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm short and chubby and bald. Those are all things that people make fun of me for, but that's pretty minor compared to what you and many other people deal with for being different from that sort of, that sort of privileged reality. But, my experience of finding something that I had believed somehow had inculcated into my life that this thing is bad. And then it turns out it's a major blessing mm -hmm. is revelatory. And if that's true for like little old me with some bread, I think that that can be good news and liberating on a much deeper level for people about their, about their gender, about their color, about their, about their identity, about their sexuality, about their being about who I am, about what you're given. Like there's so many things that you have, have been, that, that there's just so have been conditioned in you to believe that this thing is separate from anything God loves. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be loved, you've got to get to this place. And the revelation, I mean, the reason so many people have left the church is frankly, because they've realized that they are blessed and they're tired of being told they're cursed for things that are actually blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Preach I can it. discover that on a very simple level with bread. Great. I love that. But it's, <laughs> but it, it, but that's the point. Like there's, there's no, there's nothing too mundane no. that you can't find a revelatory example of God's loving presence in it. Yes. And, and, and bread could be and 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 I can make bread about myself just sitting at the kitchen, taking care of it. And while I am not pay attention to my family, and then feel like, but I'm making bread for people, even though they're at no one, you know, my house is like, we get it. We get it. Nobody wants it anymore. <laughs> or yesterday, my, a couple of days ago, my daughter was like, can I help? Mm. And I was like, yes. And then I started to teach her and then it became something else. Mm. And that's like, we can even get up. And that's why I'm saying like, I don't want to just talk on a thing all by myself. I want to talk with Kira and with you guys. And I don't want to just bake something all by myself. I want to sit in a kitchen next to you and like work on something together and then share it. Like that, that to me is like, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the Jesus life, mm -hmm. right? Next week, two things. One, Leslie, we're going to talk about the rules around communion. Why we're not allowed to use little plastic disposable cups for wine. Mm. We're talking about some of that stuff. Okay. Two friends. We're talking about vaccinations next week. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to talk all about it. So you might have questions about it. We might come out hot like we did today and talk about one thing for the whole time. But, <laughs> but if you have any questions about vaccinations and vaccines, or you want us to riff or discuss or go deep into any specific aspect of vaccines, vaccinations, uh, vaccinating, uh, vax, anti-vax, oh, I just want to keep saying the, that word, um, anything like that, anything surrounding that we want to talk about. We're yes. going to get into it. And encourage you to, if you have not gotten your COVID vaccine 19 vaccine yet, to uh, talk with us, talk with others who um, can address some of your concerns. And uh, it's free, it's available, you can get it a lot of different places. We would be happy to help you schedule an appointment, get yep. you to where you need to go yep. um, if we're if we're nearby and and get that get that going for you. If you are a person who has any kind of skepticism whatsoever about this particular vaccine or about vaccines writ large, but you are actually interested in talking with a professional about it one-on-one, -on -one, I have a person on speed dial I will connect you with. If you email me, whether you're a member of my church or not, if you email me, I will connect you with a friend uh, of mine or several different friends that I have that are professionals that will not shame you, that will keep the conversation confidential, that will talk it through with you and help you kind of figure out what you really think and make sure you have the data to help you understand your beliefs in that so that um, you're not just being pushed by people like us uh, to get the vaccine, although we really do want you to, I'm not going to lie. But if you want to <laughs> talk to someone about him, I'm not going to pretend otherwise, but if you right. want to talk to someone about that, um, you know, with no commitment necessary, um, please, oh my goodness, please message one of us and we will get you in touch with someone. Um, we got to go, but Kira, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but just out of the top, off the top of my head, what you been listening to lately? What, what have I been listening to lately? Musically, what you got? Gosh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm a, a broken record in a way, um, but I'm, I'm really liking this uh this artist and this song her name is maddie diaz and her song is new person old place and um it's just really been doing it for me again that kind of like female singer songwriter folky kind of yeah. lady lady music <laughs> i'm listening to this song i'm gonna listen to this song today on the way to lunch okay it's it, it's one of those songs that even my husband like i was like playing music while i was cooking and it came on and he was like oh what's what's this song even this like <laughs> so it kind of even caught his ear you know i love it i can't wait to listen maddie diaz i'm gonna listen to that um it was the 20th anniversary of one of the great records of our lifetime uh, gillian welch's album time the revelator came out in 2001 mm -hmm. it is a stunning masterpiece and still not my favorite album of hers but it's a stunning masterpiece of an album um, I would listen to Gillian Welch. I did this week. I would, if I were you, I've been digging into David Bowie uh, specifically. Um, I listen to all a bunch of his stuff, but I've been getting back to the basics of his Ziggy Stardust album. I played that all the way through. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of Joni Mitchell lately. Um, um, and then I was, I'm, I was jumping back into some Cannonball Adderley, trying to get my jazz back on. I have a very interesting love-hate relationship with jazz. Um, uh, it's not, I'm not all in, but I'm certainly yeah. not all out. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's something for me that as as somebody who I would say that I like jazz, but I am also very particular about yes. the kind of jazz yes. I like and yep. um, the instrumentation of the jazz I like. Yes. So um, it's such the a other thing, big. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm gonna sneeze. Maybe. 
the other thing I've been listening to, um, I did not grow up in a, you know, a, a kind of Christian environment where I listened to a lot of contemporary Christian music. Right. So I've been kind of catching up on, um, on some jars of clay. <laughs> no way. You listen yeah. to jars of clay? Um, in part because Stephen Mason, who is one of the lead Jars of Clay guys, is um, a, a friend of mine, an Episcopalian in the diocese. Wow. Um, is he new to the Episcopal Church or was he Episcopalian when he wrote that Rain for 40 Days song? He was not an Episcopalian then, but he yeah. has, he's been in the Episcopal Church for a little while. He is also um, at our local soccer club uh, games. He dresses up as Soccer Moses. And- oh, I love it. I love it. I can't believe he's an Episcopalian now. Yeah, uh, several of the Jars of Clay guys are. He's not the he only one. He, he, you know what? He got an IRA and a Volvo and he was like, you know what? I might be an Episcopalian. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. You got to listen to him. Do they have new stuff out? Um, I, do, I don't know if they have new stuff out, but they've been, I mean, they, they do some stuff around. They, you know, tour a little bit and um, I got to check them out. I got to check it out. And then, um, and then I went to the opera on sun- Saturday in the park. Ooh. And I thought of you because I'm like, I bet Kira would be down for this. Yes. Opera in the park. And it was Tosca, except instead of three hours long, it was only 90 minutes long. So I was, I, I'm sure you have, yeah, it was great. It was you great. Know, I have to say, I even as somebody who loves opera, that's, we're no longer in a society where like, that's the only thing to do. Three or four hours for something. Even like, I'm a big movie buff and I like long movies. And I'm like, you know, Martin Scorsese, like you don't need to, for a movie to be three to four hours long. You, what would it look like if I told you you could only make a two hour movie? What would you do? What would you do with your time? I kind of want to like limitations, limitations. I'm trying to make my sermons shorter. I'm trying to like break, I'm trying to get us done sooner, which I'm not doing a good job of. Like limitations, people, limitations. All right. Uh, so I'm going to listen to Maddie Diaz mm-hmm. and do you know, do you listen to David Bowie at all? I, a little bit. Okay. Dig the stick, dig the Ziggy Stardust album. And the okay. very first song, the very first, first song is called five years and you should listen and then like maybe listen again with the lyrics in hand. Okay. And you'll be like, Oh, this is what, Oh boy. It's a perfect song for COVID tide. It's uh. a really Anyway, dig in, um, and then and then we'll we'll report back. And then next week, vaccinations and communion rules, friends. And we'd love to get your questions. Um, yes. If we don't talk about them next week, we've got lots of weeks ahead of us, and we hope that you will join us next week if you yes. listen in. Yes. Um, and we are. Are you there, God? It's Kira and Phil. I got it right that time. You did beautifully. <laughs> All right, friends. Thank you for being with us. Have a wonderful week. Take care of each other, and we'll talk soon.